0: Hey, Abel. Great podcast. Thanks, man. How's it going? Hey, uh, I was wondering, could you get on someone to talk about the optimal ratio of isoleucine to leucine for optimal muscle growth? No. Oh, 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 oh! But but why not? In the Sustainable Self-Development podcast, we are only micromanaging stuff to the extent that it's actually serving us. Alright guys, so this is SSD, Sustainable Self-Development, a podcast for people who want to get ahead in fitness and in life without driving themselves crazy. So if you want to look up a year from now and think, damn, I came a long way, but you don't want to burn out in the process, as you get there, you came to the right place. We'll get into today's episode in just a second, but just want to let you know that we have an awesome community on Facebook in the form of a group which you can join, where we discuss and debate things, drop ideas debate over which person to interview for the next podcast and all that good stuff so go to facebook type in sustainable self-development or you can just check the show notes here and click the link there and you'll find the Sustainable Self-Development Facebook group and you can join. Also not sure where you're listening to this right now but this podcast is available on a variety of platforms iTunes, SoundCloud, Podbeam and YouTube. You can find it on all of these platforms if you just type in Sustainable Self-Development because luckily nobody is weird enough to name themselves in such a way except me. So look me up on these places and follow the show by subscribing so that you don't miss future episode and with that let's get into the show all right guys so in this episode let's talk about rest day macros and rest day calorie intake. Uh, should you eat the same amount of food every day, regardless of whether you trained or not? Should you drop your calories by a few hundred if you don't train, or should you slash your calories by a thousand or two thousand and do a protein sparing modified fast if you don't train? These are the questions we will be attempting to answer in this episode. And you know, as a short intro, there is a lot of interesting talk around what you should eat around your workouts, how to time your protein before and after you train, whether whether or not you should have carbs around your training and we also talk a lot about general energy balance as in are you in a calorie deficit or in a calorie surplus over the long term but there is generally less talk about rest days on the days when we are not pounding the weights in the gym and you can hear various kinds of approaches here Uh, some people like to eat the same amount of calories every single day with roughly the same amount of macronutrients some people like to recommend changing your calorie intake drastically from training days to non-training days where on training days you might be eating several hundred to a thousand calories above your non-training days. Some people like to recommend eating roughly the same amount of calories but drastically altering the macronutrient profile of your nutrition on your training versus non-training days where you might be eating according to a very high carb, very low fat plan on your training days and you would be eating lower carbs and higher fat on non-training days. And what I'll try to do here is look at this picture from a couple of different angles, first from a physiological and more practical angle, and then from a behavioral slash psychological angle. So before we dissect this idea, let's take a second to reiterate some hard rules or at least mantras that are good to keep in perspective at all times. So for one, when it comes to fat loss or just managing body fat, the most important thing that rules Almost everything in this regard is long term energy balance. And that is, if we were to take an average of your calorie intake over the course of your past 7 to 14 days, was that intake higher or lower than your requirements? If it was higher, then over time you'll gain some body fat. If it was lower, then over time you'll lose some body fat. Is this the only thing that determines how much fat you'll lose? No, if you do resistance training and in the meantime you eat a high protein diet you will gain more muscle and less fat if you eat more calories than what you need and you will lose less muscle or no muscle at all if you eat less calories than what you need. Can the way in which you distribute your calorie intake on training days as opposed to rest days have an impact on this? Sure, if you did some really extreme manipulations or you did something really stupid such as ate only one day a week and fasted for the other six, your body composition results would be very different probably than that of the person who ate food on all days of the week even if your calorie intake and protein intake were the same. But otherwise, the difference in body composition between eating the same amount of food every day and changing your calorie intake from day to day would be pretty darn slim. The other big fundamental thing to always keep in mind is that how drastic the differences are that you can induce by nutritional manipulations when it comes to body composition as a natural trainee are also quite slim. So There are some unique cases in which someone has some food allergy or some unique situation with glucose dynamics and insulin sensitivity, which makes them tolerate high or low carb diets much better. But other than that, the rate of diminishing returns is very severe. I mean, if over time your calories are in order, you're getting in enough protein your fats and carbs are in a reasonable proportion so that your energy levels and hormonal profile is not compromised, and you're eating an overall healthy diet, then that's 95% of the ballgame. Unless, once again, you do something really silly and almost intentionally go out of your way to screw up something like, again, eating once a week only, the impact of how you micromanage your nutrition is very small. So with that let's talk about what happens on a rest day as opposed to a training day or at least what we can suspect happens with pretty good degree of confidence and then let's look at how that could modify what we do with our food on these days. So let's start with a bit of a Physiological overview. There are two concepts that often come up in nutritional conversations when it comes to training days as opposed to non training days and the nutrition around these periods. And these concepts are nutrient partitioning and nutrient timing. And they often come up in the same conversation because basically what nutrient partitioning describes is what your body does with the calories that you consume. And then in the case of nutrient timing, we are talking about how to manipulate this phenomenon. So let's touch on nutrient partitioning first. So in a normal setting, if you're just a person sitting around, not physically active, then your body will take the amount of calories that is needed to satisfy all its biological needs, basically to keep you alive, healthy, and well-functioning, and then the rest of the calories will be used to fuel the amount of activity that you do just by going about your regular day. If you eat more calories on top of this then it either gets burned off by producing more heat or getting you more inclined to move even more or the excess energy will be stored in your body in various forms. The most relevant for us being body fat which is how your body will store a good chunk of the excess calories that it's not able to burn off. Now I'm obviously oversimplifying this a little bit as you'll probably also deposit some glycogen, intramuscular fat, even some protein but point is that generally excess calories will be for the most part either get burned off or stored as energy. Now if you start to do resistance training then some interesting things will start to happen with the calories that you ingest as you're triggering your body to initiate muscle protein synthesis which means that irrespective of how many calories you ingest overall some of them will be used to at least try to build muscle. Now this often brings up nutrient timing as a second relevant concept. And there is some interesting potential to make use of this nutrient partitioning phenomena by playing around with when we eat our food and how much we eat at certain times. So because during training we trigger muscle protein synthesis, it would seem like it makes sense to have more food around the time when we work out. And as many of you know, athletes and bodybuilders have always ate more food around the times that they were training and the very least i think that the post-workout protein shake concept is not news for anyone now because bodybuilders physique athletes and just frankly people who want to look good and are not so much focused on performance but more so on how much muscle they have and how little fat they have on their bodies they or i shall say we generally have a cap on our caloric intake to make sure that we are. Not eating too much more than what our bodies need at all times to avoid excess fat gain. So, this led to the idea of caloric cycling or calorie cycling and to have, for example, a caloric surplus on training days and a caloric deficit on rest days. These kinds of approaches have been around for a long time. And one, I guess you could call it more advanced but at the very least more hardcore version of this is to use very aggressive calorie cycling protocols whereby you essentially minimize your caloric intake on the days away from your training by doing a protein sparing modified fast and push a lot more food during the times when you are training and can make use of this nutrient partitioning phenomena that i talked about earlier so let's examine this question first from a purely physiological perspective how much should we cut our calories on rest days as opposed to training days? And I think to answer that, we first need to look at as objectively as we can, the differences between a training day and a rest day. And there are, or I should say, there might be a few key differences that we can talk about. The amount of calories we burn, the substrates that we use and deplete during training, and then the various signaling events that we trigger with training. So first, let's talk about calories burnt, because this is something that we tend to get overly ambitious about, you know. If you start Googling around or you go on PubMed or Google Scholar or ResearchGate and look for the keywords, resistance training, energy expenditure, calorie burn, stuff like that, you'll find the different values. Some will be depressingly low, as low as maybe 100 calories for an hour-long workout, which consists of like 20 hard sets. Some will be higher, as high as maybe 400 calories. Based on all these figures and values that I've seen, I would say that If you're an average-sized person, and by that I mean anywhere from 50 to 100 kilos, and your training sessions are hard, you're training with demanding movements, you're training multiple muscle groups in the gym, and your training session lasts somewhere between 45 to 90 minutes then your calorie burn will be somewhere between 100 to maybe 500 calories. So a smaller female who does a hard training session that is about an hour might burn around 100 to 200 calories. An average-sized dude in the weight range of maybe 170 to 200 pounds, so somewhere between 80 to 90 kilos, will burn around 300 calories and then a larger guy might burn as much as five, 600 And that is assuming a hard training session, typically the one that you'll only achieve by either lower body training or full body workout. So if you go in there and do four sets of heavy squats, then three sets of RDLs, you rest a little bit, then you do three sets of heavy chin-ups, then you do some overhead presses, and then maybe some pump work for your arms and delts, and maybe some calf work at the end. So that would be like a 20-ish set hard workout. That might burn around three, 400 calories for a normal size guy. But I mean, I have training sessions where I may have one real demanding movement, and then a couple of non-full-body, not-so-demanding movements substituted around for my delts and my arms. I mean, that session might only burn as much as 150 calories, even though I was there for an hour. So we generally greatly tend to overestimate the amount of calories that we burn with our training. So from that point of view, does it make sense to greatly vary our caloric intake day-to-day from training days to rest days? Does it make sense to drop our caloric intake by a little, so maybe two, 300 calories? It might be if our daily rhythm and activity levels are pretty much identical on those of other days. And the only somewhat significant difference between our energy expenditure was the training session we did. But if you're like me, I actually tend to generally be more physically active on the days in which I'm not training. I'm more likely to go for random walks. Sometimes I go for small hikes on a nearby mountain with others. I go out more in the evening and walk around in the city. And those things might well burn more calories than doing 15 to 20 sets worth of lifting in the gym. Does it make sense to drastically vary the proportion of carbohydrates to fats from rest days to training days? Well, this brings us back right to the previous point. If you only burn, say, 300 calories with a real hard training session, even if all of those 300 calories came from carbohydrates, which it almost certainly didn't, even that's at most like 75 grams of carbs, which is not negligible per se, but it certainly does mean that it makes very little sense to have drastic alterations in your carb intake where on a rest day you'd have only 150 grams of carbs and on a training day you'd have 450. Now what about actual signaling events? So the actual muscle building process that got initiated with our training session? Like surely that must warrant at least a little bit of extra food and I think from the research that we have on the topic that is indeed a very reasonable statement but the big question is just how long is this process where the ingested calories will directly benefit our muscle-building ambitions. And this is where I think we can mainly rely on mechanistic data or speculation. And and indeed, some of that suggests that the rates of muscle protein synthesis, so the time frame in which your actual muscle-building processes are being activated or open or or at least more elevated for a period of time after your training session after which these mechanisms kind of taper off and eventually they go back to baseline and here we see different figures you know someone who is untrained if he or she is doing a hard training session say on monday then he might still well be building muscle because of that training session on Thursday. On the other hand, someone who is a lot more trained, so he's more resistant to muscle damage, and he just doesn't have as much potential to build muscle as someone who is newer to training, he is both breaking down less muscle and building up less muscle. That person, if he is doing a real hard training session, say on Monday, By Wednesday, he will have built up all the muscle he's going to build from that training session. And by that, I don't literally mean that he will have put down all the whatever three grams of protein on his biceps. I know it doesn't work out like that, but all the biological processes that help him to build muscle are now back to baseline after two days. So you could make a rationale that this person, once he is outside of this window in which he is actually building muscle, he could benefit from focusing more on fat loss in the timeframe in which he is less likely to benefit from slamming down a ton of food. In other words, you could frame this discussion as, in the time in which you're building muscle, use the food and the potential caloric surplus to your advantage but in the time in which a lot of food is not directly benefiting muscle growth, use that time instead to lose fat. And I think this is in general good as a general mental framework. But the caveat or the important thing here, I think, to keep in mind is to just not get overzealous about this idea. And what I mean by that is, for one, when trying to determine the time frame in which your anabolic window still lasts, it's good to err on the side of being more conservative. So let's say we take it at face value that a beginner is still going to build muscle from a training session that has taken place 72 hours earlier. And then for an intermediate lifter, this is only 48 hours. And then for an advanced lifter, it's only like 24 to 16 hours. I think that if you're not sure where you fall in the spectrum, so you're not sure whether your anabolic window after your training session is 24 hours or 48 err on the side of being more conservative and assume that it's 48 hours. In other words, don't go crazy with slashing your calories drastically on your rest days, unless you're really convinced that you would not benefit from having at least a reasonable amount of food. Now, if you're dropping your calories by say 2 or even 500 on a rest day, like, that probably won't reduce how much muscle you're going to build. So If say you're training five days a week and the past three days were all training days and you were in a 200 calorie surplus on those days and now it's a rest day and now you'll have a 500 calorie deficit it's not like your body is all of a sudden gonna go, all right everybody, this person is starving here, let's shut everything down and all the processes that go into building muscle are now off, we need to be conservative with our nutrient partitioning, so at best we are just going to maintain, like no, (laughs) all those previous days of surplus are still fueling all the anabolic signaling events that are needed to go down in your body, new protein is being synthesized, your body is still very much in a state of growth and building. Now, if you were to slash your calories in half, so you went from 3,000 calories down to 1,500, well, if your anabolic window still stretched out to that rest day and you were still building muscle, then that is probably not the best idea. I mean, your body is still repairing damage and disruption from that previous day's work and it's still synthesizing new protein. Like, why would you punch all that good stuff in the face with a super low calorie day? Like, I wouldn't do it. On the other hand, If let's say it's a Saturday and the last time you worked out was a Wednesday, so it's your third rest day in a row, if then you slashed your calories substantially and you did a protein sparing modify fast, that is from a body composition and purely physiological perspective might actually be an effective use of your time. So keynote summary up until now. Using a small to moderately aggressive, say 10-20% to deficit on your rest days is fine, even if you're still in an anabolic state in that day and you're still building muscle because of the stretched out anabolic window. It might not necessarily be better than just eating the same amount of food as on your training days, especially if you're pretty active on your rest day, but it likely won't have any detrimental effects either. If you're confident that you're no longer building muscle on your rest day because it's been four days since you last trained and as, say, an intermediate lifter, there's probably no way that you're still building muscle on that day or you're super advanced and you're confident that after one day you're definitely not building muscle, it's probably also okay. In fact, it might be beneficial to do a very low calorie day. Now, with that, I want to shift this discussion a little bit and talk about just very low calorie days or protein sparing modify fasts in general, which basically for those of you who don't know, is just a day where you're basically eating enough protein to cover your needs and you're minimizing your caloric intake from everything else. So typically what this will look like is that you're eating some fat-free protein sources such as lean chicken, tuna, and some protein powder. And then the rest of your calories are purely coming from salads and fibrous veggies to provide some satiety. So for an average size guy, that could easily come down to something like 1,000 to 1,500 calories, which in practice would entail a deficit of anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 calories. And the benefits of this are obvious. You create a very large caloric deficit acutely, which means that A if you want to do a, a crash diet and you want to lose as much fat as humanly possible in a short term period then doing this is probably the best way to do it because you're eating as little as possible but the protein you eat will help to preserve your muscle mass or if you don't want to do a crash diet but want to lose fat at a moderate pace if you do this kind of proteins modify fast on two days a week let's say you have created two to 4,000 calories worth of deficit by dieting only two days out of seven, which means that for the rest of the week, you can eat normally, which definitely has its set of physiological benefits. For example, some of the metabolic adaptations that take place by low-calorie dieting perhaps are less likely to manifest because the body, to put it very pro scientifically, has not as much time to ring the alarm bells that you're in an energy deficit and reduce your energy expenditure correspondingly if you're only doing that once or twice a week. Also, you may be able to train harder and have higher quality workouts if you're able to keep your calories high during most of the week and only drop them significantly on one or two days a week. And this can, of course, help someone to hold on to more muscle mass more effectively during dieting. And then the rest of the benefits are mainly psychological. As for a lot of people, at least it's been reported to be better to be able to eat normally for most of the week and then only push through one or two tough days, especially because after a day of fasting or eating very low calories... You can actually literally look leaner the next day even if most of that extra leanness is due to water loss and reduced bloating. It's psychologically rewarding and nice to get an instant feedback that dude your diet clearly works. Now what's interesting is that there are also potential utilities of doing this type of low calorie dieting once or twice a week during maintenance or on a lean gaining phase where you keep your calories nice and high for most of the week and then you drop your calories significantly during one or two days so that your calorie intake over the course of the entire week stays at what you would intend to have as your overall general caloric intake. Uh, My buddy Mario Tomic, for example, did this during his lean bulk where he ate about 3,000 calories during his training days and then he dropped his calories down to 1,000 on the one rest day that he had. So this way, his overall calorie intake would average out around 2,700 or so. And the potential rationale here could be that one, during his training days, he will benefit from the extra food where all the nice processes are triggered for building muscle. And then on his one rest day, where he's obviously not training and the mechanisms for muscle building are not on full gear, he will use that time still productively from a body composition perspective and use that time for fat loss. So over time, if all goes well, he will experience more of a recomposition effect. And, you know, I think that using calorie cycling in this more extreme format is a nice little tool. It's almost like a hack that we can use strategically in certain situations. I think the whole concept that we can acutely catch these little time windows when we can push for maximal fat loss while still making use of the general high calorie environment during a bulk, for example, which could allow us to stay leaner during the bulking process is a really cool one. Like I said, it's also potentially a cool little hack to essentially squeeze in our week's worth of dieting into a day or two. Um, But with that, Let me talk about some of the psychological considerations in more depth behind all of this. You know, in a general sense, what does having super low calorie days do to our psychology? And if you have followed my work for a while, you'll know that I am aware of the food preoccupation and the obsessive behaviors around food and the disordered eating patterns that can develop when someone has dieted a lot or dieted for too long in the past. So you can probably guess that I'd be advising people to adopt at least a a cautious mindset when it comes to using aggressive calorie cycling protocols. And you're right, I would advise for caution. However, I also don't want to speak in absolutes because people's mindset around food varies greatly. You know, if you're the kind of person who purely views food as fuel, if you're like, If you're the kind of person who forgets to eat or will literally like not eat for two days during a serious work assignment because you got too busy and didn't have time to eat or any of these cute things, you know, when I hear people say that they didn't have time to eat, I just go, oh, come here. Let me squeeze your cheeks, you little thing. Tell it to someone who has dieted down to 8% body fat. It will not happen to them that they don't find the time to eat. So, you know, all the way from that point, there's a whole spectrum where we have people who are pretty neutral with regards to their mindset around food, but they do enjoy eating and it brings them a lot of pleasure to sit down and and enjoy a nice meal, which nothing's wrong with that. And then we have people who are pretty preoccupied with food. And then we have people who are pretty disordered with their eating patterns. And since we really do have people at all points of the spectrum, the impact of periodic low calorie days or super low calorie days will also have different impacts on their psychology. And as such, speaking in absolutes would be really dumb of me to do. You know, I know people who enjoy having these very low-calorie days. They get into the mindset of, yeah, man, I'm getting shredded on this day. And they many times actually feel better by eating some small quantities of food and having their stomach pretty empty all day. It almost feels like going through a cleanse for them. Other people who have had their fair share of chronic dieting and are quite preoccupied with food If they know that tomorrow is their protein-sparing-modified fast day, it will just mess with their head. You know, their previous day, they are already going to be stressing about the fact that tomorrow they will quote-unquote starve. They will be more likely to overeat on the previous day. And then when the day comes, the entire day is spent putting together these super high-fiber, high-volume dishes to make sure that they don't go hungry. At night, they can't sleep because it's on their minds all night that, fuck, I starved all day. How am I going to make it through the night? And, you know, these polar opposites really do exist. So it really is just unreasonable to make absolutistic statements. Now, with all that said, I think it's a very safe statement to make that doing super low calorie days will elevate someone's food preoccupation above their current baseline, it's just the baseline that differs. So the, oh, I didn't have time to eat kind of person, he or she will be more preoccupied with food on a protein-sparing modified fast, but their baseline was so low that this extra bit of food focus will be just a minor blip on the radar on the whole. Now, on the other hand, a person who spends 50% of his waking hours thinking about their next meal, or you know maybe not, but is definitely neck deep into food focus and is quite heavily dabbling into disordered eating patterns doing these super low calorie days especially in a pre-planned manner where they know that on my rest days which are say on Wednesdays and Sundays it will be a protein sperry modified fast day that's basically rubbing salt into an open wound it's like the like a sad song, like the song Someone Like You by Adele. That's going to invoke some sad thoughts in most people. But if some if someone is having the time of their life, you know, they are smiling and laughing 24-7 and everything is perfect, they won't even notice that song playing in the background. But if someone just went through a breakup with the love of his or her life, then I would say, man, like don't even turn on the radio because you might hear that song in there and you're gonna die. And so I think the key here is to be as honest with yourself as possible, which I of course know that it's a lot easier said than done. I know that when I was having pretty disordered eating patterns for a while, I was denying it from myself. And after some time, I knew, you know, I was upfront about this to myself that I am having a relationship with food that is not sustainable in the long term. And I don't want to live my life like this in the future. And still, having this realization didn't automatically mean that I was acting in congruence with what I knew best. I was still doing all the behaviors that were feeding my food preoccupation. And at times, I needed a second eye. That's why I reached out to Birge Fagerli, for example, to coach me, which was one of the best decisions I ever made, by the way. And, you know, at times he functioned as the objective brain, which I didn't have. So, for example, one time I wrote an email to him saying that, hi, I was thinking about doing a protein-sparing modified fast on my rest days, what do you think? And he, knowing that I did have a lot of problems in the past with disordered eating, told me that, nah, I don't think it's a good idea right now knowing your past history for now, let's eat normally on your rest days and per- as prescribed, and later we can play around with protein per modify fast if you want. And, you know, I remember reading that email and thinking, yeah, I kind of knew that that was the right solution, but I needed someone else to tell me that. So I know fully well that just knowing deep down that your situation is not exactly conducive to using a certain strategy doesn't necessarily mean that you will do what's best for you. So that's why I'm recording this podcast, for example, because I might be saying things that you suspect to be the case, but you just oppress it or convince yourself to act in some other fashion. So to conclude on this segment, if you are completely emotionally neutral around food, you eat food because it's fuel and you eat some tasty shit sometimes because it's tasty, but you're otherwise totally or neutral about the entire thing then, you know, feel free to slash your calories in half here and there. If you think, rationally speaking, that is going to help your progress. If you're having some disordered eating patterns and you're pretty food preoccupied, just don't freaking do it. (laughs) Especially not in a pre-planned fashion where you know that X day is going to be a thousand calorie day. You know, I talked about cheat days and cheat meals. If you haven't heard it I would recommend that you check that episode out. I'll link it in the show notes but it's called the dark side of cheat meals I believe and I discussed how these cheat meals especially in a pre-planned and scheduled fashion can just mess with people's minds in a real negative way and I think these pre-planned very low calorie days for these people can almost act the same way just in reverse where the fear of that one day where they will eat very little food, can set them up for all kinds of wonky things. Not to mention, I mean, maybe I should have started with this, but when someone whose mindset is pretty disordered and characterized by obsessive behavior around nutrition and training, when they know that a rest day means eating only a thousand calories, many people's first reaction is, okay, I'm going to be training seven days a week. You know, Maybe I told this story here already. I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but I remember discussing the idea of doing protein sparing modified fasts on rest days in a group. And I posted my concern that, you know, I'm not sure how good is it to make it a rule that you're going to slash your calories down to a thousand on any day when you're not training. I mean, it could set someone up for, you know, not daring to take rest days even when they feel it would be beneficial. And someone replied to it by saying, yeah, you know, many days when I'm tired after work, I feel like not going to the gym. And then I'm thinking about the 1500 calorie day that I would have to do. And I'm just thinking, no way. So I go and train and it's so awesome. And, you know, I I remember just reading it and I thought, yeah, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. So, you know, again, it's not black and white for some people having this rule that training day means a lot of food and rest day means very little food could be a good thing to motivate them to train if otherwise they aren't so motivated. But for a lot of people, it could flat out just induce a mild form of exercise bulimia. And I have seen some people get so obsessed about this. I had a guy, you know, asking my help and, you know, (laughs) he said that uh, he almost passed out because he was doing his 1200 calorie day because it was a rest day, but he was freaking helping out with some house moving or something. So he was carrying heavy furnitures and bags up and down the stairs all day. Like I heard this story and I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. Like the poor dude was probably expending like 4,000 calories on that day and he was starving himself because he didn't do his 10 sets of lifting in the gym. Um, The other thing I want to touch on is if you just take the concept of eating a lot on training days and eating very little on rest days and sort of translate this to real life language... Basically, what you're saying is that on your training days, you should push yourself hard and on your rest days, you should push yourself even harder. I mean, if you think about it, the average person on his days when he's not training, those are the days when he might go out to eat with his family or friends or to go out to a bar for a beer or two. That's when they generally want to loosen up a little bit. I mean, if I think about... What a lot of people that I know do who get great results. They are doing really well, but they are very much living the average Joe type of lifestyle. What they do is they are strict with their diets from, say, Monday to Friday. Hit the gym on those five days. And on the weekends, they will let loose a little bit. I'm not talking about crazy cheat meals or anything stupid... But they have you know, breakfast together with their families or go out at night, like I said, to have a beer or two with their friends. Maybe go on a hike or a little weekend trip to a weekend house or something and have some grill parties there or something. If you're having this hard rule that you're not eating shit on your days, that you're not training, then you can pretty much forget about all of these things. Now, here is where I think it's very useful to A, be honest with yourself about what your goals are and what kind of lifestyle you're willing to take on. And B, if you're working together with a coach, be honest with your coach about all of this. And I might at C, if you are a coach yourself who is working with clients, make a very strong distinction between jam pop clients who want to look good and just you know want to be fit but don't want to live like an athlete and then your athletes or professionals who are willing to do whatever it takes. You know, I can share a story with you. A few years ago, I was working together with a coach, and I told him that my goal is to put on as much muscle as humanly possible while staying as lean as humanly possible. And then, hearing this, he recommended me to do aggressive calorie cycling and to have like 1,300 calories on my rest days. And I remember looking at my spreadsheet and seeing my plan, and I almost got upset. Like, is this asshole out of his mind that he's starving me on my rest days when those are the days when I would want to go out, etc.? And upon looking back, of course, I was so silly because the truth is that what I said my goals were, were not really my goals. My goal was to have a simple program that I can follow and have a pretty flexible nutrition plan that will allow me to YOLO things a little bit, not worry too much about nutrient timing and calorie cycling or any of those things. Like, I don't want to live like as if I'm planning to become Mr. Olympia or something. I'm just able, the dude. (laughs) And, um, Um, But that's not what I told him. And that's not what I told myself. And I was also kidding myself with regards to my goals. Because I was not thinking rationally about what sort of commitment is needed for certain types of goals. So my advice here would be to just take a minute to do a little mental exercise. Like, can you foresee yourself in the future wanting to do a whole lot of things on your days when you're not training that are not exactly conducive to doing protein-sparing-modified fasts? If yes, then just don't sweat it. You're not going to miss out on anything crazy significant benefit if you just have a linear intake and eat normally on all days. Now, if you're ready and willing to live your life as a super athlete machine and you have a good reason to do so, uh, good reasons including personal preference, then go ahead and do your protein-sparing modified fasts on your rest days. So to slowly wrap this rather long episode up, last couple of thoughts. I think there might be some good utility for protein-sparing modified fasts on fat loss diets because there is nothing inherently sustainable about fat loss. Fat loss is about eating less than your body needs. That's not how you want to live long term. So For example, if your strategy for fat loss is to have one or two, maybe three very low calorie days a week and that's how you're going to accumulate your calorie deficit, I don't think that's a bad idea. You're going to lose the fat and then maybe the only change you'll make is that you'll no longer have those low calorie days during the week. And that's completely fine. In fact, if you're doing this as opposed to eating in a deficit on all days, you could make the case that this is better because you're practicing maintenance on the other days. So you're continuously reinforcing the behaviors that you'll need to have once the diet is over. If you're not dieting, but maintaining or lean bulking, you know... You could make a case that having some low-calorie days here and there has its own set of benefits. Like, for example, one issue that a lot of people run into when they are lean bulking is that they just get out of touch with their hunger signals because they are kind of full all the time, which can be a good thing sometimes, but it can also lead to not knowing when you're overdoing it because it's hard to know the difference between being quite full and being really full. So someone could slide into chronic overeating beyond what would be beneficial for gaining muscle, for example. Some people also run into the issue of their palate being desensitized during bulking, where fruits, veggies, meat, fish eggs stuff like this just start to taste bland and crap at some point and they just need to eat tastier and tastier shit which again can be a good thing sometimes but it can also slowly slide someone into just always wanting to eat very palatable stuff and eventually may tip them over to the point where they get kind of behaviorally hooked on hyper palatable foods and then it's really hard to transition back to eating less palatable foods if they want to lose fat again for example so having some low calorie days here and there might have its utility to occasionally reset their palate and appetite a little bit i would argue that you can get the same benefits just by having some intermittent fasting component to your diet where you're fasting maybe 12 to 14 maybe 16 hours between your last meal on one day and then your first meal the next day but you know having some protein sparing modified fast here and there might be a good way to reset your palate still in a general sense i think if we are maintaining or slowly lean bulking i think that time should be about normal adult like eating When we finally eat as much at all times as we feel like we need, we don't need to cut back on our food a ton. And I think in general it should be a time when we just don't go out of our way to intentionally drop our calories significantly here and there. I mean in fitness and body composition oriented nutrition, we have enough problems and enough stuff to worry about. Like we are definitely more conscious with our food selection and eating habits than the average person. We already have our habits and little rules that we implemented with years of conscious conditioning and training. Do we really need to keep slashing our calories once or twice a week when we are not even trying to lose fat? I think in general, no. I think there should be times dedicated to abundance in our nutritional journey. And when I say abundance, I mean that all within the framework of a mindful, reasonable approach and all within the constraints of what we know is required to be on track towards our goals. But still, I think the overriding principle here should be abundance. And I think in general, having protein sparing modified fast is not exactly fitting into that concept. And to once again, reiterate how important it is to individualize this. I mean, I have recommended people with very good confidence that they do protein sparing modified fasts on their rest days. But I have instructed some people that I worked with to actually eat more on their rest days than they do on their training days, just to Get them out of this mindset of, oh, my God, I need to train on all days. And if I take a rest day, then I need to starve myself. And, you know, it was so amazing to see how much burden they got rid of when they saw that, oh, my God, I'm eating more on my rest days and I'm not getting fat. This is magic. And, you know, I was just listening to it and just like nodding my head thinking, nah, it's not really magic. It's just the power of energy balance. Um, And lastly, if you heard my intuitive eating series, I talked about how I do some untracked, very low calorie days here and there to auto-regulate my food intake. And that's right, I do. But the caveat there is that I eat as much as I feel like I need to, and on some days, that will come down to a very low calorie intake. And I don't sweat it because if I get hungry, I'll eat more. You know, I eat out anywhere from one to three times a week, and my calorie intake is quite nonlinear, and you know on some days it's probably more than what my requirements are just because of the nature of um, restaurant foods so my appetite auto regulates itself over time so if you will i do protein sparing modified fasts here and there even though i'm not dieting but they happen when they happen and i don't sweat them and you know that's a very different mindset than deciding that every wednesday is a thousand calorie day so in summary Calorie cycling in general is something that you can do and can be conditionally effective to enhance your progress with regards to your body composition. It's not necessarily better than just eating the same amount of food every day, but depending on how you time it with regards to your training sessions and general activity levels, it may be an effective way to structure your diet. And when it comes to the psychological implications of aggressive calorie cycling, the most important thing is to be honest with yourself with regards to your mental state and the general eating behavior. If you have no pre-existing issues in this regard, then it will likely have no negative impact on your psyche whatsoever. But if you do, then doing aggressive calorie cycling protocols might be insult to injury from a mental perspective. So with that, my question to you today is, What is your past experience with calorie cycling or aggressive calorie cycling? What have you noticed from a physical and mental perspective? Alright, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave a comment and subscribe if you watch this on YouTube. If you listen to this on iTunes, please leave a rating to help this stuff grow. SoundCloud and Podbeam, you can just follow me to be notified on future episodes and to be a contributing member of this podcast. Join the Sustainable Self-Development Facebook group where you can drop ideas about future podcasts. I very often ask my listeners for tips and advice on who to get on next. So if you're interested in getting into discussions like that, be sure to join the Facebook group. And if you don't want to go through the searching process, just click one of those links in the show notes slash video description. It is all there. All right. Thanks for hanging around up until now and see you next time.